But first off, I want to tell you a little story about how I have made a complete fool of myself. It'll be good, I promise. So throughout a couple years of high school and a couple years of college, I worked at this summer camp called Sunstream Retreat Center. Amen. Some of you have heard of it. It's um, near Ogden, Iowa, which is like 20 minutes out of Ames. And pre-COVID, we actually had our fall retreats there and other small gatherings and things like that. So I loved summers because I got to work at camp. While working at camp, I mostly worked in the kitchen there with the camp chef named Gil, who can be a little bit intimidating at times, but I promise you, he has the tenderness of a teddy bear at the same time. By my fourth or fifth summer working there, I was basically a pro, and I was the right-hand person to Gil. I knew that kitchen like the back of my hand. You could like probably blindfold me or something and tell me to do something, and I would figure it out. I was in there all of the time. While we were there, when we were serving meals, we had a cold and a hot buffet. And I was mostly in charge of the cold buffet, which would entail like, you know, lettuce salads, desserts, fruits, that kind of thing. And the most beloved thing of the kids' camp especially was jello. I've never made so much jello in my entire life, and I probably never will again. In the kitchen, we like to work with efficiency so that we weren't there all hours of the night and day trying to produce this food for our guests. So sometimes that would mean that someone would be preparing for the next meal while the current meal was happening. So say, for example, if it was lunch, someone might be working on the dinner supplies while we were actually serving the lunch meal. Well, one day, that was my job. And you may have guessed it, but I was making jello. Now, in the kitchen, I was notorious for trying to do things on my own because I like to do it the hard way. And I don't want to bother anyone else with helping me, so keep that in mind as I tell you this next part. The process that we had for making jello was to boil the water, obviously, because you need hot water, right? And then we ladled the hot water into this big old metal gallon pitcher so that it would be easy to transfer into the cooler. We placed the pans in the cooler for the jello to cool already so that we wouldn't be like wobbling it all over, spilling it all over the kitchen. You know, we were smart, right? Thinking ahead. So this was my job that day. And I was doing that and I was getting stuff done. I felt like I was on a roll. I was whipping out like 20 pans of jello in no time at all. I was on one of my last pans and I went over the stove. I poured the hot water into the pitcher. I poured the, the jello powder into the pitcher and I mixed it all up, got it all good. And I walk over to the cooler door. I open it, I go inside, I'm with this hot thing of jello in my hands. I pull out the pan just a little bit and I start pouring the jello into this pan. And as I'm doing that, it all went to crap. And the steaming hot liquid lava of jello was being poured all down my leg, all over the shelves that were in this cooler, and all over the entire floor. Instantaneous dread filled my stomach. You know that feeling when you mess up? It's just like this gut in your stomach. When things have gone completely differently in a bad situation, but you done made a mistake, and now you're gonna have to go tell your boss what happened. I walked out of the cooler door 
And just a reminder, this was in the middle of the busiest time in the kitchen during a meal. So there's people like running all over, yelling at each other, grabbing stuff. And I called for my boss, Gil. I remember distinctly him looking at me with just like worry streaked across his face. And he told me to go outside and sit with my leg under a spout of cold water for the next forever, is what he said. But in reality, it was probably only like 20 minutes or something. Looking back, this story could have been a whole lot different and probably not ingrained into my memory because of the horror if I had just asked for help. But instead of doing that and letting my pride down just a little bit, I was determined to be independent and it got me in trouble and physical pain to prove it. The scar eventually left like months later, but it was around for a while. So maybe you're in here tonight and you're a little like me and you like to make things more difficult than they need to be just to prove to yourself or to other people that you're a strong person and you can do it. You've learned to only depend on yourself because other people are just gonna mess it up and make things worse. Maybe you're tired of trusting people with your heart and your feelings because you always seem to end up hurt and wounded. Maybe you depended on a past boyfriend or girlfriend to be the love of your life and then they shattered all the images you had of a good relationship when they left. You know, maybe you think, whether consciously or not, that you don't need a God or this Jesus to be able to figure things out. Maybe you think that you know what you wanna do in life and you know the steps that you need to get there. Maybe you came to you and I and you wanted to be a teacher. So you're here, you're taking the classes, you're getting the field experience, you're gonna get your degree and one day have your own classroom. Or you know that you want to walk into the business world and you know how to get there. Or maybe you just know that you wanna help people, but you just don't want other people helping you. Maybe you're thinking that you don't need anyone else to figure it out for you, that you can do it on your own that you've made it this far and you're still here, you're still standing, so why not continue that just to make things easier? So we're coming to the end of this sermon series called New Year, New You, Same God. And for the past two weeks, Derek has walked us through a couple of the attributes of God. He talked about how God is immutable or unchangeable and that God is so full of mercy. And ending the series tonight, we'll be discussing the attribute of the self-existence of God. So these attributes have come from a book called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, who is this super, very wise old dead guy. And if you want a book that will wreck you just a little bit, you should read it because it's good. And it has taught me that I have so much more to learn with the Lord and about the Lord. And next week, we will be starting our love series. I'm pumped, guys. As much as we joke about it, seriously come to this. There is something for everyone. Whether you're single and mad about it, you're dating and loving it, you're engaged and you're a little nervous, or you're married and you're living it up, I promise if you're anywhere in between, you're going to get something and you're not going to regret it. So while we're here tonight, though, we're gonna be going to looking into the book of Exodus tonight. 
If you know a little bit about the Bible, Exodus is in the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible that's written before Jesus. And it's the second book. So you flip all the way to the beginning or scroll all the way up to the beginning. It's Genesis, then Exodus. And the book of Exodus was most likely written by a man named Moses, who who we're going to talk a little bit more about tonight. So let me set the scene, though. We're starting in chapter 3, and Moses was a shepherd. He's walking through slash on a mountain called Oreb with his flock. Moses is walking along, you know, he's minding his own business, tending his flock, making sure they don't die, and he notices a bush. This bush is a little bit out of the ordinary in that it's consumed by fire. And what I mean by that is there's flames, but it's not like crumbling and wilting and going to ashes like a normal fire. It's just like chilling there in in the flames, just being fire. Probably pretty freaky, right, if you saw that? Moses notices this bush in flames, and then God calls out to him from the bush. He says, Moses, Moses. Moses answers and can't even come near the bush on the ground because it's too holy because the Lord is there. God meets Moses through a bush just because he wants to talk to him. God begins this conversation with Moses, talking about how Moses' people are being persecuted, how he's heard the cry of his people, and God explains how he wants to take them from their current situation and bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey, or the promised land. He explains how he wants to use Moses to do that. And in response to that, Moses is like, whoa, hey dude, I don't think you know who I am. I don't think, I'm just a shepherd. I can't do that. Who am I? How could I possibly be worthy of such of a high calling? But little did Moses know that the Lord would use him for so much more than he ever thought was possible. So that's where we'll pick it up. Exodus chapter three, starting in verse 12. He said, and this is God talking right away. He said, but I will be with you And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers or the God of your ancestors has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for being here tonight. Father, I pray that these words would be your words and not my words, and that your Holy Spirit would rest here. God, I pray that we would let down our walls, let down our guard just for a little bit, and allow you to speak to us. In your mighty, mighty name, amen. All right, so if there's anything that I want you to pick up on tonight, it's this. So get out that notes app on your phone, or that notebook and the pen, and write it down. The big thing that I want you to get is that God is not dependent on anything else, but we must be dependent on God. God is not dependent on anything else, but we must be dependent on God. 
We can't afford not to. I wanna break this up a little farther and just look at this first part first. God is not dependent on anything else. You see this passage from Exodus talks about this phrase that God says, I am who I am. And at first glance, you might think, yeah, okay, cool. God is who he says he is. I guess I can just roll with that. You know, scripture's right. But the moment that we start to unpack it and really understand this promise is the moment that it becomes a whole lot different. God comes to Moses to speak with Moses, and he wants to make things really clear, crystal clear. This is the moment that God is calling Moses to something that's way bigger than himself. God is showing who he is in just five simple words. He says, this is who I am. And to translate that just a little bit, people who study the Bible for their lives, or theologians, are led to believe that the Lord is proclaiming his self-existence and self-sufficiency here. He's saying that I don't need anything else to complete myself. He is whole and complete in and of himself. The one who knows everything and is holding everything in his hand. This is something that can be hard to fully understand and grasp. And if I've lost you already, it can all come down to this world called, word called aseity. The definition of aseity is the quality or state of being self-derived or self-originated, specifically the absolute self-sufficiency, independence, and autonomy of God. This is God. He is self-originated, he is independent, he is autonomous. If God is so autonomous, that means that he doesn't need to wait upon anyone else to make his decisions, much like us. What he says goes. He doesn't owe us anything, and he has been here since the literal beginning of time. Genesis talks about how he created everything. It talks about how there was nothing in existence. It was just a dark void. And then he created the heavens and the earth. He created night and day. He created waters and dry land. He created vegetation, the seasons, animals, and then he created humans in his own image. Nothing came before God. Literally nothing else was here. Everything that we know and see today is because God had his hand in creating it or creating someone else who created it. Tozer said in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, the one I was talking about earlier, that it may be stated as an axiom or an accepted truth that to stay alive, every single thing needs some other created thing and all things need God. To God alone, nothing is necessary. Nothing is necessary to God. Maybe you're not as mind blown as I am when I hear that, but I'm almost frozen in wonder and amazement. God isn't waiting on me or depending on me to make the next right decision or to make the next right move in life. I don't stop any of his plans when I don't follow him or do something he asked me to do. I'm not that powerful. I can't do that. He may not need me but oh, how he wants me. He wants my heart. That's almost more comforting and reassuring. He doesn't need me or depend on me, but he wants me. Guys, he wants each and every one of us. 
He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He wants our hearts and he wants our lives. If you think about a baby being born into this world, they're in this world and they're all like tiny and cute and scrunchy. You know what I'm saying? I like babies. They can't eat on their own. They can't get around on their own. They're fully and utterly dependent on their parents or guardians to sustain their life. When we were babies, we depended on our parents to take care of us. We didn't even know how to do that for several years after. And maybe you're like me and you still don't know how to do that sometimes. <laughs> As we grow, we learn more and more about how to take care of ourselves, how to feed ourselves, make sure that we don't smell bad, you know, how to act in different situations. When it comes to learning things, we learn them because someone taught us how to do it or we saw someone else doing it and then maybe decided to try that. For example, you aren't just born knowing how to brush your teeth, right? But you figure it out from your parents or maybe school or maybe the dentist. You learn basic things like how to read and write because you depended on your teachers to show you how. Our origins come from our parents and you could literally trace your family tree back to the beginning time of man when God created Adam and Eve. We exist because someone existed before us. We are taught things, whether good or bad, because we learned from someone before us. But this isn't the case for God. God not being dependent on us means that we can come into a relationship with him without feeling pressured or a weight to do so. God will still be God without us. He can still do it. Whether we say yes to him or not, God still sent his son to die on a cross, whether we accept him as Lord over our lives or not. All of that will still happen. You know, but God loved us so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf and he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. If it wasn't for him creating us, we wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for him sending his son, we wouldn't have the opportunity to come into relationship with him and live a life full of hope rather than just destruction. God made all of these decisions and still makes decisions. He knows all that has happened and all that will happen. And he is simply asking us to partner with him to be able to fulfill his mission of telling people about Jesus. We have the opportunity to partner with the Lord to be a part of transformation in people's lives, of transformation in our own lives. What an honor. We read our Bibles not just to read another book, but to better understand who Jesus is and how we can grow to look a little more like him. We sacrifice our wants and needs to look a little less like the world and to act a little more like Jesus. We come together and worship as a whole congregation like we're doing here tonight because we understand that we need others beside us and in it with us because we can't possibly make it on our own. The reason that we can depend on God is because he is the only one who doesn't have to depend on someone else. He's the only one who is self-reliant. He is the only one who is fully trustworthy. God may not be dependent on anything else, but we must be dependent on God. If we go back to the story with Moses and the burning bush, you know this ask that the Lord is asking to Moses is a pretty big ask. 
He's asking Moses to be part of leading a whole group of people to another area to get away from persecution. It was definitely something that even if he mustered up all of his willpower and got really big and tough, that would be incredibly hard for him to accomplish. It wasn't something that Moses could do on his own. But we, what we don't hear from this story is all that happened with Moses after this day when he met the Lord. You see, in the end, Moses does what the Lord asked him to do. But it takes a lot, a lot of courage and persistence to make that happen. Moses ends up leading his people out of Egypt after a series of, plague, of plagues like locusts and hail and diseases and through arguments and discussions and through confronting the Pharaoh, who is the ruler or king in Egypt, and demanding that he do what God said. Imagine like going before the president and being like, hey, we gotta like take this group of people and get out of here because God told me to do it. How do you think that would go? Probably not pretty good. You'd probably face some opposition. As Moses and his people travel out of Egypt, they face starvation, dehydration, times of idolatry, wars, and so much more. But time and time again, the Lord takes care of his people. Moses goes on to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord and is a part of a miracle of an ocean literally splitting in two so that they can cross through the middle on dry land. Moses was a prophet and a teacher and the author of the first five books of the Bible. Moses does incredible, incredible things throughout his lifetime, but he wouldn't have been able to do even half of these things if he hadn't been dependent on the Lord. Moses saying yes to the Lord doesn't mean that was, it was an easy breezy ride in life. He faced criticism from the people he was leading out of slavery. He faced terror in confronting the Pharaoh and going before him. He was filled with doubt many times that he didn't get the answer right on what God said. He even had a stutter and asked the Lord to send someone else because he couldn't even speak without a struggle. But in spite of all that opposition and struggle, Moses continued to say yes to the Lord. He depended on the Lord to fulfill his promises and he trusted that the Lord knew better than he did. He fought on even when things were really hard and he didn't think he could take the next step. He wasn't perfect, he made mistakes, but he didn't let that overwhelm him. We can turn to more scripture to see where this dependence and trust in the Lord is commanded. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So much more can happen throughout our lives when we trust the Lord when we depend on him because he is dependable. He's never going to change. He isn't waiting on other things to happen, but he is strong and he is true and he's just waiting on us to trust him for the next steps. 
Sozer says in his book, this truth, while a needed rebuke to human self-confidence, will, when viewed in its biblical perspective, lift from our minds the exhausting load of mortality and encourage us to take the easy yoke of Christ and spend ourselves in spirit-inspired toil for the honor of God and the good of mankind. For the blessed news is that God who needs no one has in sovereign condescension stooped to work by and in and through his obedient children. And a little later down on the page, he says, he needs no one, but when faith is present, God works through anyone. When faith is present, God will work through you. God will work through us if we depend on him and allow him the space in our lives to lead us. We can be like Moses and see so many amazing things happen throughout our lifetime if we depend on and if we trust in the Lord. If we're willing to say yes to his commands in the scriptures and the ways that we feel he's calling us in life. You know, we trust in a lot of things in life, whether big or little, we trust in ourselves and other people and foundations and structures. We trust in the law. We also trust in other things like cars. If you're anything like me, maybe you depend a little bit too much and trust a little bit too much in the cars that we drive, especially when they're many years past their prime and always have something or some part wrong with them. I feel like no one really prepared me for all the different parts in a car that could go wrong. I didn't learn that in school. I didn't really pick up on that at home. You know, I know the basic functions slash maintenance of a car. I'm not totally out of the loop. Like, you have to take it to get an oil change, right? And you have to fill the fluids sometimes. And tires wear out, and they have to be changed once in a while. And the battery sometimes goes out, and you have to unscrew that and plug it back in. And then the obvious one is you need gas, right? You gotta, like, fill her up and make her run, right? Well, let me tell you a little story here. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was driving the car that Marcus normally drives because we switched cars for the day. Marcus is my husband. That day, I had a few errands to run around Cedar Falls. I had meetings with people, uh, had to go to a couple different places. It's a pretty normal day for me. Well, in this particular vehicle, the gas, the gas gauge or the fuel gauge is out and it doesn't work. So we keep track of the amount of gas left in the car through one of the trip settings, and it monitors like the amount of gallons of gas you've used. We have a system. Every time we fill it up, we reset that little button on the dash. I know how to do it. Like the responsible human that I am, I was keeping an eye on that setting, and I knew that I had to fill up with gas soon, right? But I could be fine for just a little while, and it would be fine. I was driving to drop someone off, and as soon as I did that, I was going to go to the gas station, fill it up, everything would be perfect, I'd move along with my day. So I pulled into the parking lot to drop them off, I said goodbye, and then I shifted the car into reverse, and it wouldn't move. And I was like, okay, no problem. It's probably like stuck in the snow or something. You know, parking lots are really bad right now. So I pushed the gas a little bit more, and it still didn't move. And then I realized, as things began to shut down, that I apparently didn't have any gas left. I depended on that meter, and it failed me. I depended on, on what I thought was right, and that was wrong. 
You know, sometimes, I know for me at least, it's so easy to think that we can make it through this life on our own, that we can figure it all out, that we can make all the pieces of this puzzle of our lives fit together perfectly. So when something or someone fails us, it can almost be like our world is falling apart and shattering. As I was sitting in tears in the parking lot that day, because I was embarrassed, calling my 16-year-old little sister, Sarah, to come pick me up because my car ran out of gas, I'm reminded now that I need other people, that I need to be utterly dependent on the Lord to make it through life. Otherwise, it's gonna be really hard. If there's one thing that the Lord continues to teach me time and time again, it's this idea that I have to be dependent on him. I must. It's him reminding me that I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own strength. I can't muster up enough to be able to figure out all of life's problems. I need him so desperately. I have to be willing to turn to him and run to him when things aren't going good, when I don't know how to deal with someone or I don't know what the right answer is in a situation or I'm angry at Marcus or I'm angry at a friend when I don't know where the money is gonna come from for the next big purchase. Maybe it's a silly thing like your car running out of gas or maybe it's something a little different and a little bit deeper that feels too big. You know, this whole idea of depending and trusting in the Lord for us means that what he says goes. We trust and we run to him because he knows the answers. He knows what's gonna happen next. And even if if we don't understand it, he is still good. I want you to take a moment to think about your own life. When things go wrong or don't go the way that we thought they should, Do you try and figure out how to fix everything on your own, doubting about making the right decisions and stressing about what's happening, or do you turn to God? Are you quick to make decisions to fix it, or are you quick to pray and ask God to help you? Think about when you're trying to overcome a sin. Do you continue to try to muster up the strength, muster up the willpower, and trust your own ability to overcome it? Or do you depend on God to help you to overcome it through prayer? Practically, are you committed to turning to the Lord every day and spending time with him through reading your Bible and through praying because you want to know more about this Jesus that you're supposed to be dependent on? Are you dependent on God for your entertainment, your pleasure and your happiness? Or do you depend on Netflix, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, TikTok, video games to fulfill your happiness and your fun? Are you searching around every room that you walk into to try to find your future spouse? Or are you trusting God to find the one for you? Are you okay with saying yes to where the Lord is leading you in life, even if that means changing your major or your job and depending on him to make all the pieces fit together? Are you trusting the Lord when it comes to your finances and being generous or would you rather stockpile all of your money and keep every dime that you make to yourself? Again, God is not dependent on anything else, but we must, we have to, we need to be dependent on God. 
Maybe you walked in here tonight and you're really struggling with this idea of depending on the Lord because you've spent your whole life depending on other people and they just keep failing you. Maybe your parents aren't good representations of what loving parents should be. Maybe your family isn't the kind of family that you always thought you would have. Maybe your girlfriend or boyfriend abused you or told you lies when you thought that you could trust them. Maybe your roommates let you down when they don't come through with their end of the deal. It could be that time and time again, you have felt that everyone around you keeps failing and you have had to figure out how to pick up the pieces. Maybe you've learned how to only depend on yourself. I believe that you're in this room tonight to hear that there's so much more for you. You know, you're in here tonight because the Lord wanted to meet with you and to tell you that you are loved, that you are adored, that you are wanted, and that you are valued. I believe that he wanted you to be here, to hear for the first time, or maybe to be reminded that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and pay the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and for my sins, even with the fact that we don't deserve it. But the story doesn't stop there because Jesus rose up out of the grave and has made the promise that he is coming back again. But until then, we can step into a relationship with him. We don't have to wait until the end to figure it all out and live a life with Christ. But I believe you're in here tonight because Jesus is knocking on your door. He's tapping on your shoulder and he's asking you to spend your life depending on him and only him. Because guys, we can't do it alone. Imagine what peace that we could live in if we trusted in the Lord and we depended on him before everything came crashing down. What could our lives look like if we said yes to Jesus day after day, even when what he is asking us to do makes no logical sense to our brains? We have such an opportunity to run to Jesus first with all the things that are going on in our lives. We can keep trying to figure out how to do everything on our own, relying on our own strength, being completely stressed out all of the time because we can never measure up. Or we can trust in God. God is the only thing that we can depend on because he is the only one who will never fail. He is the only one who can't get it wrong. It's not in his nature. We will always fail. We will always say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, fall short. But he never will. That's why we can depend on him. That's why we can trust him. We must be dependent on him. All across this room, I'm gonna ask you to stand up because we have some decisions to make tonight. I think that there's two groups of people in this room. Maybe number one, maybe you're in this room tonight 
and this is the first time, or maybe it's been a long time since you've known of this idea of God and him sending his son down to make this ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Maybe you've never trusted yourself or maybe a long time ago, you may be trusted in God, but you've fallen away because time and time again, you feel like he's failed you or the people around you have failed you and you've never been able to figure out or get it right. You're here tonight because the Lord wanted you to be here. He knew that you needed to be here. He knew that you needed to be in this auditorium surrounded by people that love him. He knew that he was gonna ask you tonight to take a step and to trust him, to be dependent on him. He knew that you were gonna be here. I'm gonna ask you to respond right now. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm gonna have you raise your hand on the count of three. If you wanna commit to coming into relationship with Jesus and trusting him and loving him. One, two, three. Jesus. God, you're so good. Father, you're so mighty. God, I thank you for this people, these people in this room, God, that have committed to saying yes to you. God, that they, they want to love and they want to serve you with all of their lives. God, that they want to step into a relationship with you, Father. And I pray right now, God, that you would meet them right where they're at. Father, that you would overwhelm them with your love, with your mercy and your grace. And Holy Spirit, have your way in their hearts. God, we thank you tonight for that yes. And for this second group of people in the room, you may be in here tonight and, and trusting and depending on the Lord has never worked out for you. Maybe you, you've barely even tried it. I believe that the Lord wants to meet you here right now, tonight, to remind you that it's worth it to trust him. I dare you, I challenge you to try it. And if it doesn't work out, come yell at me. I give you full permission to do so. But guys, he's asking you for just a little bit more of yourselves. He's asking you to say yes to that big thing that seems impossible. He's asking you for just a little bit more of your heart to turn to him when things are going wrong. He's asking you to depend on him because he is dependable and he is trustworthy, that he's strong and true. I'm gonna pray for you tonight. God, I thank you just for this opportunity to come before you. Father, and I ask that we would just be fully in surrender to what you wanna do. God, that it wouldn't be about our way. God, that it wouldn't be about what we think is right. But Father, that each and every time that we need to make a decision, God, we would run to you with all that we have. That we would fall before you on our knees, God, and just cry out to you. Father, I pray that we would trust you with all that we have because you are dependable and you are so trustworthy, God. We thank you for your goodness tonight, Lord. Help us to trust you with all that we have, to depend on you with every ounce of our being. Your mighty, mighty name, amen. We're gonna take some time and worship the Lord. And I just encourage you, if there's something that you need to trust the Lord a little bit with more tonight, cry out to him. Meet him right here, right now. There's no better time than right now. Let's worship. <laughs>